Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 in the morning. If you're Dorcas, it's 9.40 in the morning. She, she gets to do this a little bit later in the day. Adjust it for your time zone. If you ever miss any of these calls, you can go to SoundCloud, put in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, and you'll find these calls. Um, there's now, I believe, seven-plus years of these archived, and he recently said that he actually had grouped them in years so that we can more easily access them. For those of you that may not know who I am, I'm Susan Mann. I live in Portland, Oregon, and I come to you with a, a teaching background but I've had a huge interest in um, fitness and nutrition and just because I have grandparents that were um, diabetic and adult onset diabetes as well as heart disease, and I really didn't want to travel down either of those particular paths. And the TR90 program is that one clean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at three of those meals, at least 30 grams of protein. Making sure to get plenty of exercise, 30 minutes at least five days a week of moderate to heavy exercise. Um, you can always do more and more. Is never a bad thing. Remember, this is a lifestyle change, and this is something that you're going to want to be doing ongoing. Drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated. The current thinking is that you should be drinking at least one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if, for instance, that you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking at a minimum 50 ounces of water. And if you're exercising heavily or you're in an area where you're sweating profusely, then you will probably need to increase that in order to stay hydrated getting plenty of vegetables. Um, the TR90 program really is built around our, the nutrition and taking the supplements about 20 minutes before your meal. But the fruits and vegetables, you should be doing seven-plus daily of fruit, servings of fruits and vegetables. And depending on what you're eating will depend on what the serving size is. So keep that in mind as well. Making sure to get plenty of rest, which is what my topic is today about sleep and making sure to get seven to eight hours of sleep and why it is so important for us. I'm trying to think if there was anything else I was supposed to remember to tell you. Hmm, exercise program. Hmm, I think that was pretty much it. So the information I'm sharing with you is called, is out of a book called Superfoods Health Style. Simple changes to get the most out of life for the rest of your life. It was written by Stephen G. Pratt, M.D., and Kathy Matthews. And as I said last week, I started in on sleep and why it's really, really important. And so here are we. I'm going to start out with a little thing on health style basket case. Every now and again. I encounter, that means Dr. Pratt, a patient who is in desperate need of a complete health style makeover. 
this patient typically has a poor diet, is highly stressed, and is physically inactive. Here are my instructions. Go home and go to bed. You can't live a healthy life if you don't sleep. And chronic sleep debt makes other healthy, healthful activities difficult to achieve. You won't exercise if you're exhausted. You won't make good food choices if your appetite control is out of whack, as it will be if you're sleep deprived. And you sure can't control stress when you're struggling to stay awake and function on a high level. I prescribe a full week of adequate sleep before you begin to think about setting other healthy goals. When you've achieved that, you're ready to take on the health style challenges. So that was a little side side note that he put in here right before it says, close your, eye, oh, close your eyes, avoid diabetes. Data from the nurses' health study showed that healthy women who reportedly, who reportedly getting less than five hours or more than nine hours of sleep were more active develop diabetes in the next 10 years than women who initially averaged 7 to 8 hours of sleep. A sleep debt of 3 to 4 hours a night over a few days can result in metabolic changes that mimic a pre-diabetic state. So there's another thought as to why we need that sleep. And we should be getting that 7 to 8 hours nightly. Close your eyes and lose weight. Perhaps one of the most interesting recent findings about sleep is the effect that it has on obesity. It's interesting to note that as Americans' nighttime sleep duration lessened by one to two hours over the second half of the 20th century, the incidence of obesity doubled over roughly the same time period. While sleep deprivation alone doesn't explain the rise in obesity and diabetes, it surely plays a contributing role. One study showed that the less you sleep, the more likely you are to become obese. This study, conducted at Columbia University, demonstrated a clear link between the risk of being obese and the number of hours of sleep each night, even after controlling for depression, physical activity, alcohol consumption, ethnicity, level of education, age, and gender. The study subjects were ages 32 to 59, who slept four hours or less per night, were 73% more likely to be obese than those who slept seven to nine hours per night. Those who got only five hours each night had a 50% higher risk than those who got a full night's sleep. And those who got six hours of sleep were still 23% more likely to be substantially overweight. In another study, adolescents with greater sleep disruption or generally poor quality of nighttime sleep also demonstrated lower daytime activity and for each hour and for each hour of sleep lost, the odds of obesity increased by 80%. 
One of the reasons that sleep seems to have such a dramatic effect on weight is the intimate relationship between sleep and hormones. When you experience sleep deprivation, your blood levels of leptin, a hormone that acts as an appetite suppressant, appear to decrease. Leptin is a hormone that is produced by fat cells. It helps to regulate your appetite and metabolism. Boy, my tongue's not wanting to work this morning. High levels of leptin help you to eat less, while low levels increase your appetite and cause you to eat more. In a study on sleep and leptin, it, is, it was found that the subjects who slept less than five hours a night had a significant decrease in leptin and additionally a significant increase in ghrelin, spelled G-H-E-R-L-I-N, a hormone that triggers hunger. Another factor when considering the relationship between sleep deprivation and obesity is perhaps more obvious. When we're tired, we're less likely to make good choices about health-related activities. It's difficult to keep up with exercise routines or to cook a healthy dinner if you're just totally exhausted. So getting sufficient sleep not only contributes to your long-term health, and your overall performance, but it also helps reduce your chances for becoming obese. How much do you need? While we know that the adequate sleep is crucial to optimum health, we don't know the precise amount of sleep to recommend for everyone. We do know that we are, as we age over a lifespan, our need for sleep seems to change and diminish. In the first days of our life, our total sleep time was roughly 16 hours, falling to about 14 hours by the end of the first month. By six months of age, we're sleeping about 12 hours. This amount declines about 30 minutes per year through age five. By adolescence, we're sleeping from nine to 10 hours and adults seven to eight. There are, of course, individual differences in needs for sleep and abilities to sleep. We know that women have a greater need for sleep than men, and on average, though they retire earlier than men and fall asleep faster, they report more time spent awake during the night and generally poorer sleep quality. While not getting enough sleep is clearly associated with increased health risks, so is getting too much sleep. In the Nurses' Health Study of 82,969 women responding to the questionnaire revealed that those who slept five hours or less a night had a 15% greater mortality risk compared to those sleeping seven hours. But those who slept nine hours had a 42% increase of risk. Other studies have reported similar patterns. I recommend seven to eight hours of sleep each night. While some people may claim that they do well on less, even six hours of sleep a night does not prevent the cumulative performance deficit. If you're trying to lose weight while suffering from sleep deprivation, it is like walking up the down escalator. You may find yourself trying very hard and getting nowhere. 
50% of drivers report driving while sleepy. Nearly 25% report falling asleep at the wheel, though not crashing. Approximately 5% of people who have crashed while being drowsy. If you drive while sleep deprived, you're facing a risk comparable to that of someone who drives with an illegal blood level, alcohol level. Healthcare professionals should ask patients in detail about their sleep habits and should stress the importance of adequate sleep for all. Oh, next part is sleep disturbed breathing, but I, well, we may, we may have just enough time to finish that particular part. Sleep disordered breathing or sleep apnea is a condition that is estimated to affect 2 to 4% of middle-aged adults, an even higher percentage of older people. Approximately 30% of those who snore regularly may have sleep disordered breathing. This condition is most often diagnosed in overweight men with a large neck circumference. Even mild sleep disordered breathing is related to an increased risk for hypertension, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and mortality. Obesity is a worldwide problem and is probably a cause of sleep-disordered breathing. Thus, weight loss and prevention of weight gain offer the best hope of reducing the incidence of this disorder. If snoring is an issue for you, an evaluation to rule out sleep-disordered breathing at a sleep clinic near you is a good step to take. And I can tell you it's very important it, that that's one of those things that it is possible that it um, sometimes runs in families as well, the sleep apnea. Insomnia. Insomnia is a special problem in the dark world of sleep deprivation. It's a condition affecting 9 to 19% of adults in the United States and Europe. The incidence of insomnia seems to increase with age and to be more common in women than men. In a 1991 Gallup survey found that insomnia had a direct impact on the daily lives of one-third of American adults. Insomnia is generally described as the perception or complaint of inadequate or poor quality of sleep due to difficulty falling asleep, waking up frequently during the night, difficulty going back to sleep, waking up early in the morning, or finally and generally, unrefreshing sleep. Insomnia takes a toll similar to that of sleep debt. Sufferers feel tired, lack energy, and have trouble concentrating and are irritable. Insomnia, among 37 other variables, is the most predictive factor for absenteeism at work. As with sleep debt, the long-term toll that insomnia takes on health can be serious. Chronic insomnia is associated with an increased risk for alcohol and drug abuse, anxiety, neurosis, personality disorders, as well as dependence on sedatives. Depression, diminished quality of life, and in the case of older adults with cognitive disorders, placement in long-term care facilities. If you suffer from chronic or even occasional insomnia, 
remember to read How to Get a Good Night's Sleep, and I'll be sharing that probably on Friday, I'm guessing, and follow the recommendations. In addition, consult your doctor to be sure that the medical problems such as angina, chronic pain, congestive heart failure, chronic lung disorders, endocrine disorders, or prescription or over-the-counter medications are not contributing to your difficulty in sleeping. And it is time for me to stop us, so I am going to take everybody off mute so we can say goodbye to each other. So there we have it. Sleep, why it's important. (laughs) Oh, hugely, hugely. I work at it every night. <laughs> well, and, and you know, most of us do. And, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, last night I woke up. I was awake for about an hour and a half in the middle of the night. But I'm planning on taking a nap a little bit later today to make up for that deficit. <laughs> oh, no, I get that, too. I get that, too. But I definitely, because of my Fitbit, my goal is to get seven to seven and a half hours of sleep a night. And if I am, like last night, I got six hours and 43 minutes, I'll be having a nap today to make it up to seven and a half hours. Oh, yeah, I get it. Sleep is so important for your health. It certainly is because it affects so many other things because it affects the hormones. So, you know, it is really, really important. So with that being said... Um, I'm going to wish everybody to have a exercise-filled day and a wonderful night's sleep tonight. <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow we will have Frank, and then I'll be back on Friday, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about the benefits of sleep and maybe how to tackle getting a good night's sleep. All right. Do we hear Victoria there with dogs? I am. I'm going to send you pictures. I'm I'm waiting till I get home because I only have the tush part of the walk. When I they won't, I can't get ahead of them. So when I when I get home, I'll take a picture and send it, and then you can forward it. We are on the walk and we are listening. And I am going to really try hard to get to bed early tonight. Well, and one, oh, yeah. one of the one of the tricks for that is just plan on trying for going to starting take starting a bedtime routine and going maybe 15 minutes early just to kind of relax and decompress but I've just been reading about something in another book about some things that might help so I might be doing that too we will see (laughs) okay I'll give you my sleep report tomorrow morning <laughs> Have a good day, everybody. Yeah, you too. Love you guys. Bye. Bye bye.